Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. And my name is Stephen Johnson. I'm the pastor here at Bethlehem location. And we are joined today with Pastor Nate, our lead pastor, and Pastor Elisa who pastors Plymouth location. Welcome, guys. Hey, how are hey. you? Incredible. Well, that's good. <laughs> I had to think for a moment. <laughs> but doing good, yeah. How, how is things there? Yeah, I mean, not too bad. Not too bad. Had a good Mother's Day over the weekend. Well, I think, I mean, I'm, an, I'm not the mother, but... <laughs> You should ask uh, Michelle how did I think my standards, <laughs> according to my standards, it was good. <laughs> good, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. How about you, Lisa? Things are going well. Uh, great church service yesterday, and then for Mother's Day, we hung out with um, Josh's parents, and we went out to lunch with them, and then I went to go down and see my mom. So it was good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Heather yeah, Brinkley, enjoy her Mother's Day. Yeah. Uh, we hang out with our parents too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fun. It was fun doing it. Good. Yeah. Well, Pastor Nate, you had something this week, I guess. I saw your lips moving. No, I was going to jump into. Um, I was going to ask you guys how services went yesterday. We haven't had a chance to connect yet. Man, service went. <laughs> service went. That's what I should say. Service went. Uh, <laughs> we had hiccups all over the place. Uh, we had to stop your stream and then I had to preach. I don't know if you heard about that or not. No. Oh, yeah. So your stream was not working. It, like, it's not Dover's problem or anyone. It, it was just us. Like, internet was super slow. And it just kept, like, buffering after buffering. So we waited till, like, five times that to happen. We thought it would just catch up, but it didn't. And I was like, oh, it's so bad. And then it's like an awkward silence for, like, <laughs> for a couple of good minutes. So I went to take attendance, you know, and stuff like that. Chris was like, oh, it, the stream is not working. I was like, what? Yeah, it's it keeps stopping. It's the fifth time. I was like, oh, man. So I just ran. And then that one Sunday, I don't ask you, hey, Pastor Nate, can you send me the notes? It happened. I was like, all right, I don't have his notes. I don't have anything. All right, let's go preach. So I preached on uh, Lazarus' story. So I preached and I uh, came out. <laughs> so the service went. Man. That's yeah. hard. Yep. So we had we had new guests. So I was like, oh man, what a what a week. <laughs> Altogether yeah. it was fine. Moving on. Those moments can be so, so stressful. You just want everything to go well. You want everything 
an hour view to go perfectly and you have new guests, you want it to go really well. Those moments can just be like the most stressful and disappointing in the moment. But um, I know we, we followed up yesterday with some stuff and um, I'm sure everybody who came, they were, they were just fine. They know there's going to be kinks here and there, but um, you have this like ridiculous ability to be able to just get up there and pretend everything's fine. Nothing is awkward. And you just, you just go. So I'm sure that that sermon to your standards was like, oh man, I didn't prepare at all. But on the same note, you have that ability to just go. <laughs> so. I thank God for that. Yeah. I, yeah. I was reflecting on that. I was like, oh man. So I goofed around at the beginning and then went right into it. So people are like, all right. I was like, oh man. <laughs> so now every week I'll ask, Pastor Nate, can you send it? Hey, Pastor Nate, can you send it? Yeah, well, I'm not preaching on Sunday, so oh boy, to get it from Travis. It was funny. That one Sunday, I did not. I was like, oh, yeah, everything is going smooth. Run through went smooth. Everything is like, all right, I don't need it. Bling. Yeah, I don't want to turn into a, this into a staff meeting, but... <laughs> Let's um, figure out that uh, internet and see if we can upgrade it or something. Yeah, okay. I, I square in this morning, so we'll talk about it on Tuesday tomorrow. <laughs> but even it went great. Yeah, people enjoyed it and people loved it. It was fun. <laughs> we did go through some questions at the end of the service, um, and I'll say this: I, like we, I appreciate that people can have fun. But when I'm on stage trying to answer live questions, it's hard to filter through all the joke questions that were coming. Yeah. And oh, uh, you did it in, in the service live? Yeah, and we did it in live in the service. Yeah. Yo. I felt bad that we couldn't filter through that for you. Well, because the the back um I don't remember how long ago. Could have been 10 years ago. We um they would put joke questions on the screen. The moderator would, and nothing would make me angrier than that. Oh. And then there's a couple of times they put questions on there that I'm like, what in the world? Why are you putting this question on the stage? And now as soon as you put it on the screen, now I have to answer it. I'm like, why would you, why would you ask that question? Thanks. And so I stopped doing that. Like I want to be the one to filter it. And we don't do it live very often because it is, well, first, because we had multiple services. Yeah. So that made it hard. But th- I think this is the first time we tried to do it with one service. And um, yeah, it is. I need to have a, a moderator that I 100% trust. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it doesn't make it hard. It doesn't make it hard. We had... um. We had one question at least that that was because um, we were getting a lot of questions that that also weren't related to the um, series. Like one of the questions that came in was, "Can you send us the materials from the Freedom Course?" Yeah, this is not this is not the time to be asking me to like send you some photocopies. I'm in the middle of trying to. <laughs> well, anyway, but there was one question that came in um, that we could spend some time talking about. 
Yeah. How do you handle a teenage daughter that's been raised in a Christian house that has recently started getting influenced by other kids at school and started getting into trouble? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, and I had had a conversation with some parents last week about a similar thing and they weren't in service yesterday. So I don't think that text came from them. Um, and then we had just talked about it. So it seems to be kind of more than more than one thing. But I'll kind of get your guys' thoughts on that. Um, and then we can kind of talk through it. What do you think? Teenage, daughter, raised in a Christian house, now started getting into trouble, is getting influenced by other kids who are probably leading her to start getting into trouble. So you want to go first? No, you can go. Uh, so I don't know the situations, but uh, I think uh, in a one there should be a uh, there should be an openness and trust factor between the parents and the kid. Mm-hmm. So whatever happens, like she can, she knows that her parents are the safest place that she can go to. I think that is really important. Like. Uh, like I think back to my to my teenage days where like that was not my safest place. Like my parents were Christians, my parents were pastors, but I never like it was a different different culture that we grew up in, but I never felt I could share things with them. So I ran to my friends for that. I ran to whatever they did automatic because my home was not the safest place. Uh, so I think there should be a trust element with the family and us where we can uh, we can just say, hey, dad, hey, mom. Yeah, this happened to me. So I'm not like sneaking out or like sneaking, sneaking things in into my life where... Uh, other than that, like, hey, openly saying, hey, I have this thing going on or my fr- friends are influencing. I think that, uh, I think as parents, we have to create that for them. They cannot create that for themselves. I think as a parent, you got to create that atmosphere for them to be open to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think um, one of the things, um, that I that that I talk about quite a bit is uh, people aren't going to come to you if they feel like your response is going to be "I told you so." Right. Um. Or that you're going to use that as an opportunity to then throw it in their face. So yeah, creating that they they there's gonna be some safety in how you're gonna respond. You know, I think kids say my parents are gonna kill me, and I hopefully they don't really believe that, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, there's gonna be some punishment, but you're you're not gonna react in a greater way than than uh, the situation calls for. Yeah, right. I think the more that we behave that way uh, as parents, uh, I think there's a certain amount of fear that cripples into 
the kids. Uh, you know, that they don't, even though they don't want it, it just cripples in. Like I, I still, I remember like I, I knew like I couldn't tell this to my dad. Like right. he'll get the crap out of me. Mm. You know, it, it was just that, you know, in our culture, we be like, we can, like our parents can beat us, you know, discipline us with all that stuff. So I knew like that was so like every wow. time like something happened, it was just like that anger, you know, against my parents. Like, what the heck? Like, you know, every time, like, I just, it grew anger towards my parents, not love. But deep down, I knew they cared for me. Like, obviously, they're my parents. Uh, they love me and they care for me. They want the best out of me. But during that discipleship process, disciplining process, that atmosphere was never created to me. So I think it's really, you know, uh, really important for even now realizing being a dad. Like if I if I stare at Sail and uh, Yafa, they're like they drop everything. You know, it's a good fear, but I'm not like bashing them or like you know creating them. But I'm sitting down and saying, hey, you cannot say these things to in public or you cannot do these things to the public because it's not appropriate. Yeah. The, <clears throat> I thought of a couple of things while you're talking, Stephen. One is our response. One, it can make the kid hide and be, and be fearful. The other thing that can happen is that it can like become a breeding ground for rebellion. And because right. of how you're acting, the kid is going to end up going the wrong direction just to make you mad. Um, yeah. And they don't right. even want to live that way. And they're, they're choosing to go this way because of how you react and how you overreact. I thought of a scripture too. Um, only a fool hates parents discipline or correction. Only a fool hates parents discipline. Um, and, and so ultimately what should happen is now kids don't always like this, but they should ultimately be grateful for our interaction in their life because of the way it protects them because of the way it leads them toward Christ because of the, the wisdom we have to share now. I, obviously every kid's different and some kids think like they know everything in the whole world. But right. again, like if you have the truth, I think the way you present the truth should be different. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Alisa, what do you want to add that the, this teenage girl, she's starting to get into trouble. Um, I think those answers are fantastic. And just the way that you approach the situation is so important. Um, I think another thing is obviously in your response to them, you don't want to be so much of their friend. You don't want to be so much um, encouraging of them that they start to um, not respect the authority that you have and not respect the fact that you're disciplining them. You know, we don't, we're not aware of whatever situation is going on. It could be getting into the wrong crowds with friends, just 
doing, doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. We don't know. But one really important thing is no matter what um, they're getting into and how you have to discipline them, building them up in that is is also really important. So they do something wrong, but the reason that you are disciplining them is because you believe better for them. They're capable of more. God's plan for their life is more. So it's not, hey, you're doing this wrong and and I'm taking all this stuff away from you because you broke a rule. It's because no, you need to realize this now because God has a better plan for your life and you are capable of more. It means a lot to a kid when their parents believe in them. Um, right. So I think that's that's so important. Um, and I had an, I had another thing that slipped my brain, but um, I just think you know they they need to know that you believe in them. And oh, here it is. So another thing that I would value as a kid would be if I knew my parent wasn't perfect either when they were a kid. So sharing a story, hey, I was your age once and I did things and I got punished for these things. And, you know, it happens. Everybody does it. Everybody um, goes through a hard time and everybody makes choices that they shouldn't. And I know because I did it. I wasn't perfect and I don't want to portray myself as a perfect parent. Um, so I think sharing those moments with them and just, you know, I don't know how you feel right now in this moment, but I was a teenage kid before and there, you know, whatever, whatever you think your kid is dealing with, I was lonely at one point. I wanted to fit in at one point. I, I didn't want to be bullied at one point, you know, just relating with them as much as you can, I think is so important because it, it helps them to know that they're not just a, just a dumb kid, you know, they're, they're human. These are these are human sins. These are human faults. Um, so I think that's just so important for for them to just know that you know you don't <laughs> you're not mad at them because they screwed up. You're just it's your job as a parent to help direct them into the path that they're supposed to be going. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's great. And passionate. you you really are an example uh, uh, for that. Uh, I would say even. I don't know as a you as a dad, but I know you as a friend and a pastor. Yeah, and you're a great example. Like even even for the freedom retreat, you share some personal things to the to the leaders that you you struggle with. And honestly, in, in my first reaction, wow, like you were that transparent with the people, you know, and that shows that really shows. Uh, how much, how much transparency you want to put in with, with the people so they can see, Hey, we, even though I'm a pastor, I make mistakes, you know, and I think it's important for even as a parent to show that to the kids, just as Lisa was saying, it's really important. They have to see that in you. Hey, uh, and, and talk to them. You know, a lot of, a lot of the, lot of the problems occur right now like when when i look through it it's just there's no time between kids and family right there's no time the the parents are busy kids are busy it's just there's no time for them to just like be normal be real be honest you know yeah. so you know whatever time they you know Maybe some families, it's just the time that they spend is scolding, scolding their kid. Hey, don't do this. I hate when you do this. 
and that's it. That's the only conversation maybe. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, us being real with our kids will uh, not only elevate that respect and honor for your parents, but also say, Hey, and maybe that can be a testimony for the kids that they mingle with. Hey, my parents go through this, but it's okay. Like, look at them. You know, I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. I would want, um, I would want whoever wrote this to know also, um, I, I bring it back to Pastor Nate when you when you started preaching about how first and foremost, most as a parent, you place your trust in God, and that trust in God isn't a um, an excuse to not discipline your kid. That trust in God isn't an excuse to say I'm not going to take care of this situation. I'm just going to trust. But that trust has to be there no matter what. So after the after those discipline moments happen, after you coach your kid, after you sit down and say, Hey, this isn't normal behavior for you. I just wanted to check and see if you're okay. Okay. Now we have to work towards getting better. First and foremost, you still place your trust in Jesus. So as a testimony for myself, I'm currently 28 years old and I'm following God and I've, I've followed God for um, a while now. I don't know how many years, Um, but I was a teenage kid and I made mistakes and I hung out with the wrong kids and I did the party stuff and I did things that I shouldn't. Um, and that was really hard for my parents, you know, there were some things that they didn't fully know and some things that they, they did. Um, and they had to place their trust in God in those moments because the kid's still gonna, they're still gonna do their thing. So you have to do your job as a parent and do what, what you're supposed to do and teach them and raise them. But there's that level of trust in God that's so important that no matter what your kid gets into, no matter what they start doing, nothing they do is so far gone that they can't run back to Christ. So if there's a period in in your kid's life that they're just struggling, they are just going to follow after what they want. They're going to try and meet their own needs and they're going to do things on their own and they don't want to hear anybody's opinion about it. Well, at the end of the day, you still continue to instill Christ in your in your child's life and you love them unconditionally the way that Christ loves so that they know no matter what they got themselves into they always have the opportunity to come back and they always have the opportunity to come back to you and come back to Christ yeah ask me can I ask you a question sure uh so you're in the middle of raising a teenager i got two now two so um, maybe you have seen stuff, maybe you went through the same stuff or still going through it, that phase of, you know, um, uh, the changes in their lives, seeing those changes in their lives. Uh, what are some practical things that you do and maybe you both, you and Michelle, does for those two teenagers when when you find yourself there getting into trouble or they're about to get into trouble. What are some practical things that you do uh, that you can share? Um, I get a bunch of things rolling through my mind. So we probably want to talk about, about influences. Um, I, I think one of the things that, that I do is, um, is I'm setting up conversations. So I'm having conversations when they're eight to prepare for a conversation when they're 12. 
and I'm setting up conversations when they're 12 to prepare. So I'm having conversations with um 14 year old to prepare for you know for when they're 16. Yeah. Um and the the I think the the one of the best things that Michelle and I do is we do talk about the why. So we we're not just like drugs and alcohol are bad. Don't do drugs and alcohol. But we're I you know we're we're sharing from from our from our life. So you know one and, and we share positive testimonies, not just all bad testimonies. So positive testimony. Neither Michelle or I have ever been drunk in our life. And so we tell that with the boys and, and then we tell them why. So Michelle's dad was an alcoholic until he passed away. And, and so Michelle talks about what it was like as a eight year old girl having an alcoholic dad. And, and then for me, um, my parents didn't drink while I was growing up. And, uh, but I share stories of my dad. You know, the one story that stands in my mind is um, when he was eight or nine years old and he got off the school bus and his mom was passed out drunk on the lawn and he had to help get her in the house. And wow. so I share that with them. And so here's two families that were destroyed by alcohol. And so your mom and I never drank and it would be our hope for you that you'd never drink. Right. And... So we've had that conversation with them since they were four and five years old um, about alcohol and drugs and um, and you know and and sometimes if we end up at an event and someone's been drunk or right you know we 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 why were they acting weird what was that well they were they were drinking. Um, you, you know, we'd share that with them. The um, so you you know they've got to make their own decisions, but um, one of them at school, public school. I don't know if it's health class, but it was like he. I I think they told their teacher, "Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drink." Here's why, and the teacher responded to them. That um, if you choose not to drink, you'll break that from your family tree. It takes two generations of deciding not to do something and you break it from your family tree. And so then he's like really determined now. Oh, so if I choose not to drink, then now my kids and my grandkids won't have to worry about that. And so that now narrative supports what we've been teaching. Um, which is a great thing, you know, you know, blessings on that. Um, the other thought I, and anything you want to add in on that before I move on to another subject? No, I think that's great. So setting up that pathway for, uh, for the kids. It's really important. Like I never had that, mm. no, but I went searching in the world for that. So there's a two different ways that we can, like if I believe if I had that conversation in my family, uh, things would have different, maybe. Uh, I cannot say it would, but maybe. But 
Uh, now we have decided we are breaking that and we are going to talk to our kids about everything when, when they get older, you know? Yeah. The, you know, we, I, I do have a pretty open conversation with the boys. Like not that they always, you know, cause I think one of them just told me something. Oh, you know, that happened four years ago. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I kind of wish you would talk to me about that sooner. But I, but, but I do have that conversation with them. Like, Hey, I'm so glad you told me about this, but we've been, I've been having this conversation with you for, for a lot of years. Why did you just tell me now? Um, but the, the something that I'm aware of and to connect back to this parent of this teenage daughter are influences in my kids' lives. Um, yeah. and, and I have that conversation with them. Um, you know, I think I shared this before, but one of them was watching this YouTuber and the YouTuber was right and I was wrong. And it was about something stupid, like it was an animal trivia or something like that. And and uh, I had a co- I didn't have the conversation with them then, but at bedtime, I'm like, hey man, I'm just concerned that this YouTuber, whatever they say, you believe it over me. And you won't even listen to me. I needed to be the main influencer in your life, not some random guy. And here's why. What if he starts telling you God's not real? Well, I'd never believe that. Well, if he's the main influencer in your life, you will believe that. You will begin to believe things you don't believe now because of this, because he's become this influencer. I want to become your influencer. I want to be that main person, not your friends, not someone on YouTube, not. And so what do we do? How do we, how do we fix that? How do we, and that's easy with the 10, 11 or 12 year old. It's not as easy with a 16 year old. So that conversation is going to continue. Um, you know, I, I, I'm so glad that you're friends with this person, but I don't want you to become best friends with this person. Here, here's why. That's good. Um, or I think all of your, you, you know, all of your, you've got a great group of friends. None of them are Christian. Well, I'm not going to be tempted. Well, listen, I had friends who weren't Christians before, but my best friends were Christian. And, and here's what it looks like when you're going to, to hang out places and, and things like that. And, and I think that influence question and helping them to be a part of that, not just saying you can't hang out with them anymore. Because yeah. again, that doesn't teach. And there's a difference between teaching and lecturing. And you lecture your kids, they're going to tune you out and walk away. But try to have conversations where you teach. You, you're trying to understand and their perspective. Well, what do you like so much about this person? Why do you like so much about getting in trouble? Mm-hmm. What do you like? You know, why did you do that? What, what instead of, and, and being it being inquisitive, not accusatory so you can ask the same question like what were you thinking <laughs> or what were you thinking why why did you do that mm. um that's really good and and i think that lends itself to a conversation that the kid may not want to have at that moment and giving him permission not to have the conversation then but saying you you you, you know we need to we do need to have this conversation so 
you know, tonight or tomorrow morning, like we've, we've got to talk about this, but I'll, yeah. you know, we can pause for now. So anyway, this just, it's nuanced strategy, but it, and it, and it's fruit of the Holy spirit driven, not anger driven. And then right. one of our staff values at the church probably connects to this as well. For our, our staff value is, um, the goal is discipleship, not discipline. And that's the same thing with parenting our kids. Discipline is necessary. You do get disciplined sometimes, but to, it's never to discipline to discipline. It's part of a discipleship process. And so, hey, right. here's why I'm taking away your phone. All right. Here's, here's why you can't go with your brothers when they, when they go to this fun thing. Um, it's because of this sin because of this attitude because of this behavior and um hey i don't want you to be punished i would love for you to been able to go but unfortunately you chose to continue this behavior so that's that right yeah i love that sorry (laughs) no no um i love that i love the um the whole idea of wanting to teach your kids and not just talk at them when you're asking them questions, not only, um, not only is that a teaching moment, but you're allowing them to come up with their solutions on their own, because there's going to be moments where they don't have you right next to them. And they're going to have to make that decision of whether or not they're going to do that thing or whether or not they're going to do something. So when they come up with those solutions on their own, then when you're not around, they can still have that process on their own. Um, and I think that's so important. And two, what happens with those questions is, um, you know, their wants, their desires, their reasons, their opinions, that all matters to you. Um, and you ultimately have to, um, to land with what is correct and and what is right for their life, but that gives them their voice and and they know that that matters and and just going about that in that not angry manner. So I just think that's so important. That's so good. So good. And I think also just uh, knowing that doing all this is not uh, like sometimes we we feel bad, right? Like grounding our our kids or like giving time out we as parents are like oh man i wish but not feeling bad for that you know that's that's also important to know that doing like disciplining our kids is not a bad thing we want the best out of them but in that moment yeah taking the phones off yeah they might be frustrated and angry at you but not feeling bad for them hey oh man like I think it's important as well. I don't have any, well, I mean, it's early in the morning here and uh, I'm short a coffee or two. The, uh, but so I say this, but maybe it's not even true, but I don't have any desire to be their friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do give them punishments that I feel bad about, but I mean, I've got to mold them and craft, craft them into being men of God. Yeah. And so that is my, that is my priority not to be Mm -hmm. their friend. Hopefully friendship comes later, 
And hopefully I disciple and dis- discipline them in such a way that their heart still stays close to me. Um, but I don't, I'm not trying to be there. I'm not trying to be their friend. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. I like it. Yep. Being influence. Mm. Yeah. That's Man, I'm learning on the fly with everybody else. Um, as much as as much as I've got some things figured out and we've got a good role going, you, you know, um, I, I make my share of mistakes too. Um, I'm sure my boys will share about them once they preach more often. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, and we have hard times. Our kids aren't perfect. We're, if you're a parent, you're struggling, don't give up because I think we're we're parents and we're struggling too. Um, you just occasionally get the um, you can see the fruit of your work. Enjoy it. So if you get a teacher that says, "Oh, your kid's so behaved," thank them for that. Oh, thank you. They are terrific. And rather than saying, "My kid, you should see him at home," you know, and saying like disregarding and putting your kid down. Um, which again, I can be guilty of because I don't want people to think that I have the perfect family. I want people, especially because they would just be disingenuous because there are like all the staff have seen my kids at their wildest moments. And I get a lot of family at the church who've seen my kids at their wildest moments. And so I don't want to come across as a liar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, but there's like there's a lot of positive stuff. So they um I you know in the last month or so they this entire sequence of events happened and they made a decision for themselves that I really was uninvolved in. So um they were watching YouTube like most kids watch YouTube and it ended up being something inappropriate. Um, you know, as you scan from one thing to the next, the next one, cause it just, it, it you know, as it auto plays, whatever, the next thing was something inappropriate. So they turned it off. One of them felt guilty about it. He ended up talking to me about it. So I talked to the other one about it. Um, Hey, what was, what happened the other day? And they talked about it. And I'm like, well, what do we do? Like, we got to protect each other. We got to protect our brothers. We got to protect our minds. What do we do? And so next thing I know, all four brothers, they've deleted YouTube off of every device. Um, and uh, so even last night, I went to sit on the couch and there's like one small engine guy that I watch on Sundays. He And I went on the TV last night to turn it on and they deleted it off the TV, YouTube off the TV. And so I was sitting there like, man, wow, that's pretty good. Because I didn't tell him to delete it. I didn't suggest it delete it. I'm just, you know, like... Um, 
but but there's a little bit of fruit of that. And so right. here's now four young men at this stage of their life trying to guard their minds and guard their hearts. Like they've they've learned now how to do it. And I think that's a that's a big win. It is. Wow. That's a huge win. <laughs> And ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to be their main influencer in their life. But those those are the hopes and the dreams that you have that that your kids can make those decisions for themselves and know know between right and wrong. Not just do it because mom or dad says so. Not just because it's it's you know that's what they should do. But no, that's now that's what they want for their life. Yeah, helping they them want to protect themselves and each other. Yeah. Having them have a vision for themselves too is, is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, So if this teenage daughter, what's her future, what is her vision of her future? Is it, well, I want to be a mom one day. All right. Well, listen, how would you, what would be your hopes and dreams for your teenage daughter to experience and live? Well, I'd want her, I wouldn't want her to do these things. All right. Well, Set the example for her now mm-hmm. and and help, you know, I want to be a dancer. All right. Well, let's talk about how these things could sabotage that future. So which right. do you want? Do you want to continue down this path or do you want to continue down the path of being a dancer? Both both things won't happen, at least not in a healthy way. Um, and so that that's a big, that, I think that's a big part of it too. It could be honor roll. It could be um, college. It could be being a missionary, um, and help them to help them to see past where they are right now. Because right. right now feels so urgent. I'm lonely. I have no friends. I want to be cool. I want to be liked. I want this boy to like me. I want I want to fit in. And you've got to help them to see past that toward what they really want. Right. And uh, one of the things I want to add is this, uh, you talked about influence and I think uh, I can share these examples of, of your kids. Uh, we see it, right? Like you being an influence in their lives and they become influence in their friend's life. Like I know for sure, like there's, Tons of youth kids that are coming to Dover because of Benaiah. You know, even to the church, even even parents coming to the church because of how he has influence in their lives. So it sets it sets not only for one life, it sets it for others around you. Right? If I'm an influence in my kid's life, automatically they try to implicate that in their own lives for sure you know because that's that's where they're growing up that's that's what they know that's what they're learning so they try they go outside they try to mimic what they're what they're learning right so now you being an influence in their lives benai has been influential in their uh, friend circle in you know, other boys, you know, it's just cripples down. The ripple effects goes on, not just one person. And I think 
you hit that point really well, like being an influential as a parent uh, is really important to to see that. Uh, I Yeah, something we need to carry around, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think the other thing that I'll throw out there and then we'll we can jump to another question is um, this popped in my mind is uh, think really think about what you're going to spend your energy on um, or or what's really important. So uh, and this has happened more than once, but I've got a kid who's getting bad grades. I don't talk to them about their bad grades. Now, Michelle might. She's not here. She she has different conversations with them in their car rides than I do. Um, I don't talk to them about their bad grades. I'll talk to them about bad behavior. Um, but grades, even when I talk to them about their grades, um, I, I'm connecting it to future. I'm like, well, listen, bud, if you want to be a pastor, there's a lot of reading when you're a pastor. So you got to read this book. You got to learn how to read this book. I don't care if it's boring. Um, it'll develop that skill that'll help you. Well, you got to learn how to spell because you do a lot of writing and you don't always have you don't always have spell check because if you're leading a, a meeting and you're writing on a whiteboard, you got to know how to spell. <laughs> and 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 so I'll connect it to the greater the greater cause, but mm-hmm. I've never spoken to my kids about bad grades. Um because because of the other things they do. Because of how they give the missions, because of how they pray, because of, um, you know, because of how they work. But I'll have the, hey, why did you get this? You know, what's going on with this with this class? Uh, you you know, um, and are you doing your schoolwork? Are mm-hmm. you, um, are you putting in any effort? I don't care what your grade is, but I want you to put in your effort because if you're just being lazy, then that's a problem. You're working hard. Good. Keep working hard. I think it'll click eventually. And if not, well, no one, I'm not a mathematician. I don't expect you to be either, but I expect you to get an F to put it in effort. So that's the last thing on that. Let me ask you this question and you guys can, Talk for a while now. Uh, where was it? How do you, what's the best way to bring God into your house? So I don't know if this is a Christian family or, uh, but let's assume everybody kind of believes, but you're all first generation. So parents and kids, how do you bring God into your house? That is foreign. How do you do that? You, I would say you you start with your communication. Um, it should always be a topic. It should always be a conversation. Um, and oftentimes, like right now, it's just Josh and I. Um, and even in the beginning of our marriage, honestly, sometimes even now, um, talking about God, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the big prayers that we have, that's hard sometimes, whether the subject matter could be awkward or, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it could be, but sometimes it is just that awkward thing. And you have to think back also, maybe it's awkward for you now because you didn't see that in the home when you were a kid. So first and foremost, 
having God in in the home is you've already established that's a want and a desire in your heart. You want to have God in your home. So now you have to put that into practice and start communicating with each other about what God is speaking. Hey, I, I felt like God told me this today. You know, it was just different conversations like that. And then the next thing, and almost even more important, if you if talking with each other is awkward, start at least praying with each other every every day. Um, whether it's just you and your spouse or whether you have kids with you right now, taking that time to pray together. And um, I go back to what you said before. I, I forget which one of you said it, um, but not praying nursery rhyme prayers. Um, pray bold prayers. Actually, I think that was in your sermon. Um, pray those bold prayers. So pray in faith, believing in what God will do. Um, just opening that door is probably one of the best ways that you can start allowing God into your home. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, talking about it. I mean, it's... (laughs) I mean, I grew I grew up in a Christian home. Both my parents came to Christ in their 20s. They, they did not know how to incorporate it in their life. And I remember feeling weird to ask questions about God. Mm-hmm. Like feeling embarrassed. And it's really a missed opportunity. Just, didn't, just talk about it. Like you don't, you don't have to feel weird or feel like you have all the answers. Just talk about it. Here's what I read in the Bible today. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one, we need to have a desire in our hearts to grow in the Lord. If you don't, then you never come into a point where you talk about it. You know, if, if God is a secondary in your life, you're never going to talk about it in your life. Right. Because it's not in your head. It's not in your heart. So I think first is cultivating that desire in your heart. Hey, I want to learn. I want to learn about what the Bible says. I want to learn about who this God is. And then, uh, you know, I I think it's good to have like a sit down half an hour or 20 minutes. Just, hey, today we're going to read together or read and come. And we are going to discuss as a family together. We are going to figure out together what is it written in the Bible. Uh, so that will, if you have kids, that will also give them the idea. All right, okay, my dad or mom is not scholars. You know, we are studying this together because if you have kids, they they will they can easily think, oh, you know what? Yeah, they're they already did their study or whatever you got to do it. But in a way that, you know, discuss it within the group. Hey, what do you think? Uh, why do you think it's written this way? Give me your thoughts, practically, whatever, just ask questions. And even, even with spouses, like, I think, I think it's cultural that people feel weird to talk about God in their family lives. They can talk about everyone else but God, right? Uh, so I think it's it's a barrier that we create as right. as human, like spouses or whatever. We create the barrier within our family life. All right, we can talk about everything but God. 
because God is weird. Like as soon as we bring Jesus, it's weird or awkward, like whatever. So I think break that mindset and let like you, as you are saying about influence, let Jesus be the influence in our lives first so that we can talk about it openly with our family and spouses. So it's not awkward. It's not like, oh, I feel weird about it. Like, why are we talking about this? Let's talk about finances and budgets, you know, because <laughs> uh, so I think it's it's first break that barrier and just, you know, just one paragraph and just ask, hey, why do you think this it's written this way? Or why do you think just and then develop that into a conversation that you have in a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that awkwardness too. And like a lot of us feel that. So where does it come from? First thing that kind of comes to my mind is um, in in a not so extreme way, sometimes we are a different person at home than we are in church. So I'm not talking about the extreme of you come in and you look like you have it all together in church and then you're at home screaming at your family. But sometimes it could be as simple as you know, this, this is just <laughs> how it is for me. Sometimes, sometimes I walk into the church and if I want to pray for my husband in the church, my prayers change. Why does that happen? I I think because sometimes when we think about God and, and we're in a church building, we got the music playing and, and we feel like God is moving and stuff like that. And, and it's almost like we place our faith on this emotional experience with God but that's not who God is. So who God is in your in your church is the same God who's in your home. So tear down that awkwardness of, of okay, now we're at home, you know, things are different now. Nothing is different because nothing about God changed whatsoever. Um, you just have to be intentional in your in your own life, in your own prayers, and, and walk with God of I'm not gonna let this you know, internal barrier or internal thought process that I have um, dictate the way that I, that I lead with my family in Christ or or how I pray. Um, So even for myself, I have to be really intentional sometimes of um, Josh has really severe back pain. He's really open about it. And that's been a prayer in our life right now. And sometimes in church, I'll power pray and I have to remember at home I have to bring that into my home as well and and cut that awkwardness out of it um, because God is the same ultimately. Right. Yeah. And I think it starts with simple, like simple steps, like listening to Christian music loudly, mm-hmm. it in the house. And then, you know, if you're awkward about like talking about the Bible, you know, bring up the conversation hey did you catch that lyrics like what do you think about it mm-hmm. you know it's easy as that like playing christian music like uh yesterday we sang about i speak jesus uh, over anxiety over depression over over our family hey what do you like what is that how can we as a couple we speak jesus into our marriage how can we do that you know it's that easy you don't even have to bring bible you know uh, like be a theology and you know nothing like that just random hey what do you think about this how can it be personal in our lives in your life in your you know just bring up the conversation and automatically even without us knowing we will be talking about jesus right. <laughs> right. it's it's not super hard to bring up conversation 
it's easy, but we make it, we think it's it's hard that we have to ask deep questions to embrace God. No, we don't. It's asking bless. Hey, what do you think about this? Yeah, the other thing too, rather than making the other person talk, is to share stories. So that's good. Um you know, I'm trying to think of something from yesterday uh, to be able to say like, oh, you know, Pastor Nate was talking about, you know, having a godly family. The family I grew up in was not godly. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, you know, one memory that stands in my mind was when, um, you know, when this happened, like my dad, whatever, you know, and it was not godly. Um, that's just a lot different for, for our, for this family. Like I know our family's not where we would all probably want it to be. And there's a lot wrong with our family, but I'm so grateful that God's done this much in our family. Right. It's really Um, good. And, you know, sharing, sharing those stories about what your experiences was and how different it is now. And, um, you know, and it being kind of casual, organic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we finished the series here, family classic. Um, and a, a lot of people want to play golf now. So go get it, make it happen. Um, and yeah, a lot to think through and process from uh, from the series in general. But you can do it. You can have a godly family. You can have a godly marriage. Mm. Yeah, I can restore what's been taken, what's been lost, and um, you know. The uh, some of the greatest shots in golf history that you may know of or you've seen clips of, they usually happened after a really bad shot. That's what made the good shot so spectacular. Listen, right. they've had a bunch of bad shots in a row, and it feels like your 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 next shot is sitting right behind an oak tree. But allow God to empower you, and He can put you back on put you back on the putting green. Right. And take the mess you've made and do a miracle and mm-hmm. turn it all around and give you the setup now that he wants you to have. Yes, sir. Well, you guys get any uh any resources that you've come across, classes, books, or podcasts that you want to share? I like the book Mark Batterson Win the Day. Yep. Uh, you know, it's 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 for personal growth. Uh, how do you, you know, how do you accomplish stress-free life and uh, accomplish more in your life? So maybe as a parent, as an individual, you know, uh, it's it's a really good book. Yeah. Mm. Um, a book I'd recommend by Patrick. Uh, Lencioni, and it's three questions for a frantic family. 
And it's a, uh, it's talking about even having a, it's, you know, what's our, what's our goal for the next three to six months and then allowing you to focus your life around that. So for instance, um, uh, if you got a high school senior, your goal for the next three to six months could be helping them get enrolled and moved into college life. Um, it could be adapting to empty nest. Uh, it could be helping our son be potty trained. Uh, so it could be like, it's just a, a, you know, it could be resting. Summer's coming up. We're going to, our goal this summer is to have a lot of memories, do one fun activity a week, but then it just helps you to set up your schedule and your time and, and everything else up according to that. So three right. questions for a frantic family. Mm. Nice. Thank you guys for hanging out and for talking today. Yes, sir. It was fun. Any last thoughts from either of you? Nope. Not this time. Well, then that we close with a famous Japanese word. Sayonara. <laughs> that again? Sayonara. Sayonara. All right. <laughs> Great Nami. to have you guys. Thank you. Catch you later. Bye. Yeah. Bye.